Hey everyone, it is Jeff from Modern Combat and Survival, and welcome to podcast episode number 322. So today I answer a listener's question about urban survival caching. The why, what, and how in a quick Q&A version of our weekly broadcast. And don't worry about taking notes because we've got a handy-dandy one-page cheat sheet ready for you right now. You can download absolutely free over at www.mcsmagazine.com slash 322. And now, let's talk tactics. Tactical firearms training. Urban survival. Close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. All right, welcome back, everybody. It is Jeff Anderson, Executive Director of Modern Combat and Survival Magazine. And yes, we are still MCS Magazine right now. Still looking toward the launch of Warrior Life. and That's all coming up. I keep saying that, right? I keep hoping for it, but our tech team is still working out a few little bugs on the new website because we've got a lot scheduled for you, a lot coming up for you, and I want to make sure everything is just perfectly right so that when we do launch, you've got everything accessible to you when it happens. It is going to happen, folks. I promise you it's going to happen. I'm really excited about it. Um, I know we keep talking about it, but trust me, it is all coming up. But right now, we're still going to go off of MCS Magazine, Modern Combat and Survival, And as many of you know, because if you've been listening to our podcast for a little while now, in the transition over to Warrior Life, which is going to be our new brand, we are focusing more and more on tips and questions that are coming in from our listeners and our followers out there on other social media channels, as well as on our blog and in our email newsletter. And so I thought we would go ahead and do one of the Q&As from somebody that has submitted a question in the past, one of our followers, to be able to give you some some real direct answers to questions that you might have. Now, in the future for Warrior Life, we are going to have a specific channel set up where you can guide your questions to be able to help feed our podcast, our videos, and everything else that we're doing on social media, and we're going to reward you for it as well. Now, it's not just about questions. It's also about strategies that you have because Warrior Life really is about the community of everyday warriors out there like you who really are looking to share your your advice, the things that you've amassed over your own experience that can help other people within our community become better prepared for any sort of a crisis, collapse, or attack. So all of that's coming up. We've got a lot of really cool stuff for you, but this is something that was submitted by somebody that I thought I would go ahead and give some some direct answers to one of the questions that came in today, and it's about urban survival caching. So this question came in a while back from Ryan from Lubbock, Texas, and he says, how do you plant a cache, as in below ground, in an urban area, say between work and home, without drawing attention of everyone in the vicinity? So in answering Ryan's question, first of all, just for those people that aren't familiar with what a cache is or caching, it's essentially kind of like a secret supply of backup uh, backup items that you might need for surviving. Now, this is typically not a, a large cache. This is usually something for a short-term crisis, like an urban survival. There might be um, civil unrest happening. Um, things like that, but it's hidden somewhere in your environment. So it's kind of a, a backup supply of items that you hide somewhere in your environment that can be used as a backup for your primary supplies. Now this can be done above ground or below ground. It's any place that you can actually hide these items that you can access them if you don't have access to your primary supply. All right. So why would you need something like this? It seems like it's kind of like on the on the fringes of what somebody might actually need for survival supplies, right? Well, there's a lot of reasons why. I mean, preppers love gear. They love gear. But that gear is no good to you if you can't get to it, right? 
if you don't have access to it, it doesn't matter how cool it is, what, how much you have, it doesn't matter. And there are lots of reasons that you might not be able to get to your primary supplies. For example, in Ryan's situation, he's really looking for something in between work and home in case he has to get something in between there. Or what if you can't get to his home? So you might be at work and not near your primary gear stash, but you might need some sort of supplies in between or if you cannot even get back to your home. It could be an instant incident, uh, an instant disaster that separates you from your stuff. So again, you might not be able to get home. It might be something that you're cut off from your home where your, your primary supplies might be or your shelter-in-place options. They might, you might not be able to get to that. It could be a forced evacuation without your gear. So you could be in a survive-in-place situation and maybe you have your, your primary bug-out bag. You've got that ready to go, but maybe you're not able to get to it. Maybe it is that much of a forced evacuation. I mean, as I often say during our, our master classes, it's not just, it's basically like minutes count, minutes count in an evacuation, seconds count. All right. So you might have a forced evacuation without being able to get to your gear. You could be separated from it. Even if you are uh, able to use your primary gear, if it's a bug out bag or you're in your vehicle and it's in there, let's say that your vehicle is overrun by a mob and you can't get to your primary backpack that's there. And maybe you have, you're separated from your, your gear because you're forced out of your vehicle just to be able to survive. Now all of your cool bug out gear is back in your vehicle being rampaged, ravaged and, and, and pillaged by the people that are getting to it. And now you're out there alone. So it might be something that you can get to as a backup supply in your area. Also, your gear could be stolen. It could be damaged. Any of these things could happen. You basically have to look at your cash as if you are left without anything whatsoever, okay? And all you have is what you have on your person. Are you able to get to another level of supply gear outside of what you're just carrying on you that is going to help you to become better prepared, give you the sorts of things you need to be able to survive that short-term crisis? Now, as a lot of preppers know, there's a, there's a saying that we have, which is two is one and one is none, meaning you should always have a backup of your stuff because of all these reasons, you might have things that get broken, stolen, damaged, or whatever, or, or just get used up. You have that backup supply and a cash helps give you that. Okay. This is where it comes in handy. All right. So now that we know the why of having a cash, let's talk about the what, what are you going to put in the survival cash? What would you need it for? Well, when you look at a, a short-term survival cache like this, you're really looking at something just for a short-term crisis. It's not meant for you to have an underground bunker that you're going to have a bunch of supplies in, although that is another level of caching. This is really just something that you might need for in an urban survival environment to be able to escape and evade the area that you're in or for very short-term survival in an urban area, for example, that you can get to. Now, this can also be done in, in more remote locations, absolutely it could. But there's usually not that much of a need for something in that location unless it is a larger cache that you have available that you might wanna go back in like a serious resupply of something, all right? But again, answering Ryan's questions, if it's in between work and home, it's most likely gonna be something that's due to civil unrest or some other crisis in the area that you're gonna need some additional supplies to be able to either survive short-term in that area until things quiet down or you're going to be able to, uh, it's going to help you escape the situation, evade the, uh, the threat that's in that area. All right. So now let's talk about the what. So the first part of the what is what to store your stuff in. Now, there are two items I'm going to bring up here. One is that you can actually store your stuff in and one that you can actually carry your stuff in. All right. So the first one I would suggest is something you don't want to be very big. 
um, you want it to be you be, be relatively small that you can um, you, you know we can look at whether you you put it in the ground or whether you hide it but you don't want to I mean the bigger something is the the harder it's going to be to hide right so you don't need anything very big at all and for that I recommend just a, a simple ammo can that you can get for it's a military ammo can they're made out of metal but they're they're specially treated they're meant to be able to last a very long time even in harsh climates and environments so these ammo cans can can last a very long time either they're underground or above ground um, even underground though so these are watertight they come to, they've, they've got this latch on them that'll really seal them shut so it'll keep out bugs and other things that might be able to get in there so ammo cans work really well for this now there are some other caching options such as um, howitzer shell carriers work really really well but for what we're talking about and what I'm going to be sharing with you you want something that's going to be relatively small and for me a 5.56 millimeter uh, ammo can from the military works really best for this and you can get these at an army surplus store um, really easy to come by you can find them online that they're you can get them at Cabela's and Bass Pro you can get ones that are that are done there so those these, these work really well what I don't recommend is something like a like a Tupperware canister. A lot of those plastics become very, very brittle over time. So they're not going to really, I mean, this isn't something that you're going to access every six months or every year. Or so you want, you want this thing to be a, a done, like a one and done sort of thing. You put it in the ground, you know, it's going to last there for quite a long time. All right. So I recommend an ammo can. Now inside of that ammo can, I recommend putting the items that I'm going to be telling you about inside of a packable backpack. Now these are very, um, they're, they're made out of like nylon, uh, ripstop nylon are the best ones to be able to use so that they don't tear open and 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 lose at the seams and and like if they do get a rip in them it's going to stop it but they're they basically fold up they're very very lightweight nylon you can get these in a multitude of colors so i recommend a dark blue if you can find one like a navy blue or a midnight blue or if you can't do that get a black or a gray one gray one would be, would be more preferred and so um, these roll, these go basically roll up into this about the size of your fist, but when you pull them apart, they're actually a backpack and they, they mean, these aren't super tactical backpacks, but it's just something that you can carry stuff in for the time being ones that have, they all have a flimsy strap around it. Hopefully that can go around your waist so it'll, cause you want this thing cinched down to your body so you can run with it if you need to. Okay. So I recommend that you go ahead and use one of these for your caching because it's going to help you to carry all the stuff that we're going to talk about. Okay, so now when we look at about what goes inside of there, we look at what you would need for a short-term crisis from the same way that we look at a bug-out bag. So you need your shelter, you need your food, your water, and you need something for security. So let's go ahead and run down this real quick. So for shelter, I recommend that you have inside of there a 50-gallon contractor-level bag of a, of a trash bag. So the contractor bags are the ones that are really thick. You can get them in 3 mil, 5 mil. So these are really, really tough ones that you can use. Now, when I mean they're the large ones, right? So you can, you can really pack like contractor type materials in there without them breaking. So that's going to help you in a number of ways. One, you can turn it into quickly if you can turn it into a rain poncho, so you can just slice a, a hole in the top for your head to come through, and you can slice holes in the uh, in the sides for your arms, and that's going to give you some protection from the elements because if you do get wet and it is cold outside. It's very, uh, if it's depending upon time of year or where you're located at, you have a risk of hypothermia there. So you want to make sure that you do have something that is going to give you protection from the elements. You can even use it as a, a shelter or as a drop cloth somewhere. You can use it um, in combination with 
even a cardboard box that you find to be able to make a waterproof uh, shelter if you need to somewhere that you might be able to hide out in. Okay, so that 50 gallon contractor bag can come in really, really handy. Now also kind of, this doesn't really, I mean, with shelters in an urban environment, especially, you can find locations that you would be able to hide in. Um, that goes into a whole other, a whole other area that we might want to talk about in another, in another thing. But urban, that is one of the benefits of an urban environment is that there are places that you can hide there. Okay. And one of the things that be able to, that's able to get you to these places that hide that are also very secure is something like a lock pick. Now, if you know how to pick a lock, the entire world opens to you. That's the words of Kevin Reeve, who runs a really amazing urban escape and evasion course that I attended. And uh, if you want to go to check out and, and get on that calendar, I highly recommend Kevin's course. It's over at um, onpointtactical.com. You'll be able to find his website there and be able to sign up for one of his courses. And he's a big proponent and teaches how to pick a lock in his classes. Now, you can also get a home... Uh, uh, a lock pick kit that teaches you how to pick locks there it comes in really really handy but if you can pick a lock it does allow you to access places to hide in while also giving you access to areas and supplies that would otherwise not be available to you so I'm a big fan of lock picking and learning how to do that it is really really simple once you learn how to do it not hard at all all right so I do recommend that you do have a lock pick inside of that because it is going to give you the ability to hide in other locations that are going to be more secure as well as get to other supply points that otherwise would be um, would be hindered okay now the other thing I recommend that you have in there related to shelter in a way is a map of the area so this is going to help you with rallying your family if you're able to make contact with them somehow either through phone or something like that if it's a civil unrest type of a scenario they might not know where they are but they might be able to get to a cross street and be able to tell you hey I'm at the corner of such and such or I'm on this road or I'm at the um, uh, you know I'm, I'm halfway down this road I'm between these blocks I'm hiding out in this store so you might not have a knowledge of all of the roads in your area or in the area that you're at there, but that, but having a map of that area there that has a roadmap on it is going to allow you to find out where they are. Okay. So you'd be able to use that map to be able to plan better egresses out of the area, evade uh, certain areas. It's also going to tell you where there might be hospitals available or police stations that you can get to anything that might be able to get you better security there. Okay. So I recommend that you also have a map of the area already thrown in that in your, in your cash supply. All right. Now let's talk about food really easy here. I recommend that you put in some survival bars or some people call them bug out bars. Um, these are basically, um, there's different types that are out there. Um, the ones that I like, I, I've just got some from survival frog, uh, which, you know, survivalfrog.com. It's one of my favorite suppliers out there. Uh, these bars are, they're super jam packed with calories. So each one of these bars is 2,400 calories. They have a five year storage left to them. So that's going to be much better than like a, uh, a granola bar or anything like that. That might have mostly like about a two year storage. Again, I like to go one and done. So these bars have a five year storage um, capability and they're, you can eat them on the go. So um, I can't say that they taste really all that great. Then there are some that taste better than others. But these are really, really good for giving you a lot of calories. So, you're, I mean, you're going to need calories and you're not going to want to be scavenging around for food when your primary role is just to be able to get to safety or evade the area. But you do need calories. You do need something to keep your strength up. So I recommend these, these survival bars again. And we'll have a link uh, to them inside of the resources area over at survivalfrog.com. All right. So really easy. I, I recommend you just go with those. 
when it comes to water now, I recommend that you do have the same thing that we put inside of our bug out bags when in our X-Bobs that we mail out. We always include a water bladder with an inline filter in there. So what we typically have is a, a one liter bladder that you can put right inside of your um, right inside of your uh, your pack or, or a two liter bladder. And it has an inline filter. So this allows you I mean, it has like um, essentially a. Um, a straw that comes from the whole thing so you can put it inside of your backpack put the straw outside of the backpack so you can just sip on it but the inline filter which is in the line of that of the straw that comes out of the bladder and up to your mouth that's going to allow you to be able to just take that bladder and you can put it in any sort of water source it doesn't matter if it is i mean you don't you, you don't want any chemicals in it um, but even if it's just a puddle if it is a um, water that is in somebody's wheelbarrow, if it's out of a faucet somewhere, you can fill the bladder up and know that the water that you're going to be drinking is going to be clean. But you're not going to have to filter it. A survival straw doesn't really work very well because it's only good for right there where you're sipping the water out of. You want an inline water filter with the bladder so you can carry the water with you. Again, you don't want to be scavenging for, scavenging for food. You don't want to be scavenging for water any more than you have to. So this water bladder with the inline filter is going to allow you to just grab, quickly grab water where you can, scoop it up, and it doesn't matter what it, it doesn't matter if it's brown, it doesn't matter if it, how yucky it is, you're going to be able to use that water and it's going to be filtered on the other end of it. All right. So now let's talk about security. Um, when it comes to security, obviously a gun is going to be the best means of self-protection that you're going to have. Now, whether you put a gun inside of your survival cache is really up to you, but know that there are risks associated with that. Okay. Now, some people might say, well, why would I put an expensive gun in there? You wouldn't. You would put some sort of an inexpensive gun in there. And if you're going to put something in there, I recommend that it not be one, be expensive. That it is something you don't mind, like just buying and throwing in there. I do recommend that it, it does have um, the ability to weather the elements much better. So I don't recommend like, first of all, I think it should be like um, a revolver because it doesn't have as many working parts, whereas maybe the humidity being underground or something, if there is moisture that does get in there, a semi-automatic would have rusted parts. It wouldn't be as dependable. A revolver is more dependable. You can get them really inexpensively, throw it in there, buy one used. But just know that there are risks in this. So it, that gun is your responsibility. If it is found by somebody um, for some reason, then it is going, like if they use it for a crime, if you had that in there, that, that gun is still going to be your responsibility out there. Okay, so you don't really want a gun. If, if kids find it, and they use it and you have ammo in there, um, then you're liable morally, legally for what happens with that gun. So I don't recommend putting a gun in there. Some people do cash guns alone to be able to come back and be able to get to them. That's entirely up to you. It's your call, but I don't recommend it. However, for me, what I do is I pack extra ammo inside of the uh, inside of my urban survival cache um, because I carry a weapon on me all the time, so I'm never going to be without it in my mind. So I always have concealed carry. So I pack the ammo that I for the weapon that I carry. So it's going to be a nine millimeter. I'm going to have extra ammo in there and an extra magazine for my weapon. Okay. Now for me, I have a Glock. So I, what I like, one of the things I like about Glocks as far as a semi-automatic is that the magazines for the same um, 
for the same caliber are interchangeable. So I can carry a Glock 17 magazine inside of my urban survival cache. So even if I have a Glock 26, which is a, uh, a compact, I'm going to be able to put that 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 Glock 17 magazine is going to give me more rounds for my compact. Okay, now not all guns do that, but that is one of the reasons why I put the extra magazine in there with the extra ammo. Okay, so that's something you're you're also going to want to have in there. But for those people that aren't going to have any sort of um, if you if you don't have a a, a weapon, uh, I'm sorry, a firearm, you're going to want to have something that you can use for self protection. So there's a lot of different things you can use in there. You can have pepper spray, maybe things like that. But you definitely want to have some sort of a knife. Now I recommend you get a multi-tool with a knife in it. A multi-tool is going to help you in a number of different things, such as obstacles you might come in contact with in your escape and evasion from the area. So what I like to have, I have the SOG power um, power access which is, um, and I've had one of these, they have, they keep um, upgrading these and they just work really, really, really well because it has um, in the pliers and the, and the wire cutters, it has um, a compound leverage, which has multiple lever points within it. So it basically makes it twice as, um, twice as more, I don't know what you call it, like um, pressure basically when you clamp down on that. So if you want to access, let's say a fenced in area, this is going to give you better ability to do something like that if you need to cut cable cut cord anything like that um i love the power access from sog all right you can go to their website at sog um i'm sure with a sink at soggear.com i think um, and find their power access multi-tool that's the one that i recommend now it's not cheap so it's eight about eighty dollars or so so you might want to look for a used one or an older model that might be available out there it doesn't have to be their current one that they have but you might find somebody that is selling an older version of one all right okay so that's going to help you out on the security thing now there's some optional things that other people do put inside of their survival cache and you know you might want to be think about things like a disguise or a hat or a face scarf. I like to put a face scarf in there because it can be used in so many different ways, um, things like that. But I'd like to find out from you out there, for those of you that are listening, what sorts of ideas do you have for putting inside of an urban survival cache? Go ahead and leave a comment on our blog here to be able to give us more ideas, all right? Now, for the how, now where I need to get back to help out Ryan here is, what do you do, What if, especially in the middle of like urban areas, how are you going to hide this cache somewhere where other people aren't going to be able to see you doing it and aren't going to be able to find it. So as I said before, it can be above or below ground. Now I recommend below, um, below ground, hiding it and burying it somewhere. Because frankly, if you think that you've thought of a good hide area when it comes to an above ground, like a secret spot inside of a locker somewhere, hidden behind some pipes on a building or in an area that is a, uh, it's an abandoned building somewhere. If you've thought of it, I know everybody thinks that they're like, they're the brilliant geniuses of caching. But normally when people think of these things, they're really in areas that it's like you look around and quickly you find something that you were looking to um, to hide in. It's like, oh, that's a perfect spot, right? It's kind of like hide and go seek. You're looking around, oh, oh, they'll never find me in this spot, right? Well, meanwhile, you've got somebody counting down from 100, right? I mean, you've got to find some place to hide. So most people don't put that much thought into their urban survival cache. So chances are, if you thought of it, 
Somebody else is also go, either going to think of it or has already thought of it, especially if you have homeless around, which you're going to have in these urban environments. Because homeless know that other homeless people are going to try and hide stuff. So they're going to go looking around to see where other homeless people have hidden things. So if you've thought of it, chances are, and, and trust me, the homeless are probably the best urban survival survivors um, there, there is anywhere, right? Like they know these environments, the ins and outs of them. They know where to hide stuff. They know where to find stuff. So I, I recommend that you actually bury something to give it a better option, a better opportunity to not be found. Okay. So my recommendation for people is to use a graveyard. Okay. So graveyards are a great spot to hide urban survival caches because even urban areas have graveyards. Okay, they might be at churches, they might be, um, they might be okay, but they're not typically going to be dug up. So you're going to find little patches of graveyards in and around urban areas. So I recommend like for Ryan, if you're looking for someplace in between work and home, look around there for an urban area, um, I'm sorry, a graveyard that is somewhere located. Now you can find these on maps, you can find them uh, typically even online, you can do a search for them. So try and find a graveyard that's in an area like that. Now, again, the benefit of graveyards is that they are all over the place, right? There's not a lot of traffic in them. So even within these urban areas, there aren't a lot of people walking by or driving by, or you can find the times that they're not, um, they're not heavily trafficked. Like Sundays are obviously going to be an area that, or a time period that graveyards have more traffic. So you look for the times that people most likely aren't going to be there. They're also not typically mobbed even during times of civil unrest. You don't find people going into um, going into graveyards and causing a ruckus in there. So there's that's an area that's not going to be heavily trafficked during these types of things. Also, they're not. It's not like they're looted. It's not like people are digging up graves and looting them. So this can be a, an area that's going to give you um, concealment and cover during these times of civil unrest. If that's the type of uh, low. Uh, of a short-term crisis that's going on there, okay? Also, at nighttime, there's not a lot, there's not a, a need for a lot of lighting out there. If they're doing any sort of digging at night, they have portable uh, lights that they take out to be able to help dig graves. So there's not gonna be a lighting in there. That's gonna give you more protection at night and under low light, under any sort of low-level light scenarios so that you can get in there and either use it for hiding your cache, okay? You can do it at night if you want to, or at night if you're going to go in and get it all right so it's going to give you that that protection of of shadows um also you can still hide stuff in broad daylight even in the graveyard so that's what i'm going to talk about just to be able to show you that this can be done even under the worst circumstances here so what i'm going to tell you to do and really test yourself here is to find a local graveyard that allows planting of any sort of plants, whether it's live plants or silk plants. Now, you got to be careful because not all graveyards allow you to be able to plant something there. They want you to kind of come in and be able to either if they have flowers there, they want you to buy them. So you want to find a graveyard that does allow you to plant something at the gravestones. Okay. Now, um, again, you can use live plants there that will be like annuals that will be growing um, either come up annually as flowers when springtime comes, or you want something that's going to be planted if you're in a climate that allows um, something that's going to be there all the time, you can use that as well. But I actually recommend silk plants because they are going to be there even in the wintertime, um, something that's going to be uh, typically above the snow line there. So you want something that's going to 
um, it's going to be pretty and it's going to be it's going to stand up a little way so even if it's there's snow there you're going to be able to maybe see something poking out from the snow possibly all right um, you also want to find a graveyard that um, is you're able to access 24 7 so if it does have some sort of limitations where you're not going to be able to access it um, secretly at night, for example, then that's something you're gonna you're gonna want to be able to get to that. So assume that it's gonna be locked down. Let's say during civil unrest, you're not gonna be able to get into that area. You want something that you can absolutely get to. All right. So now, why would I ask you to to find some place that wants you to plant plants? Well, because um, it's gonna allow you to be able to. You have to be able to find what it is that you hide. So. Once you, what you want to do is you want to locate a grave in that graveyard that's in an ideal hide location. So it's one that can easily be identified. You don't want to pick one in the masses of graves if you can avoid it. So you want to maybe find something that is going to have some sort of a landmark there. Maybe it's near a tree. Maybe it's near um, a fountain that's there. Maybe it is in a back corner somewhere. So it just needs to be some place that you're going to be able to get to. Preferably, you're going to have concealment if you're trying to get to your stuff there. Okay, but you want to be able to easily identify it. Now, when you do that, um, you've, uh, you w one thing you can do is use the plant for a means of both hiding your cash as well as hiding the hiding of the cash. And then also being able to identify where your cash is. So what I mean by that is most people, if you're, if you're in the graveyard, even if there's people around, if you're planting a plant, then you're obviously, there's, that's why you're digging up where the grave is. So you can easily dig a hole there and have your, your, armor, your ammo can hidden and you can be able to put that inside of that hole once it's dug. Now you can dig this a little bit deeper here because you want the plant to go over top of it. You want to plant the plant over it so that it is in the ground. It, you know where it's at. You can pull that plant out and it's going to already be like if it's uh, partially above ground where the, the, um, the pot is, when you pull it out, it's already going to give you partially you're kind of already partially dug down into the ground where your cash is underneath that. So you don't have to dig down really, really far. It doesn't have to be, especially if it's a silk plant, it doesn't have roots. So that's not going to really matter, right? So you plant that. Now, where I recommend that you plant it is on the back side of the tombstone that you're using. Oh, the other thing about the tombstone is you want to find something that is doesn't look like it's visited very often. Okay, so one that looks like it. I mean, I've I've gone into graveyards and I've seen some are overgrown with with weeds and and thickets and just brush and you you can tell when a gravestone hasn't been visited in, in quite a while, right? It looks pretty messy. It's got it's got all the grass clippings like from years over over it from when they were mowing the lawns at the at the graveyard. So so you want to find something that is, people are going to come to and say, wait a minute, who who put this in there? Now even if it is trafficked or somebody does come to visit it. If they see a plant there, they're typically not going to lift it up and say this doesn't belong here because obviously maybe another another family member or somebody went and planted something there and they're going to keep it there, especially if it is like a pretty silk flower or something. So that is going to help you as well. But don't count on that that plant being there, but it does help that it's there. Now, why do I say plant it on the back side of the tombstone? Well, because even if you uh, aren't able to hide it in some place that is easily detectable, Plants are typically planted and flowers are usually done either on the sides of tombstones or in front of the tombstones where you're facing it, like where the names are. So even if you are able to, even if it's in the middle of a mass of graves, 
if you're going down the line there and they're all planted in lines, right? The tombstones are in lines. You can look down the back of it and you can see, like if you just run down the, the like by the aisles, by the rows, when you look down, you're going to see a whole bunch of stuff planted in front of tombs, but you're not going to see too much planted in back of them. So if you know the general area and you're running down the side of it, you're going to be able to look and see like where your survival cache, where that plant is. And you'll be able to notice it sticking up there, and that's going to help you identify quickly where where it, it, it is located. Okay, so that's kind of a worst case scenario. I like to have redundant type of um, of of things that are done there, so that you can um, so you can identify it even at nighttime. So another thing that you you can do is put some sort of reflective tape or strip or even a, a marker like a, a um, like a bicycle marker inside of the actual plant okay um, because what that's going to do is you'll be able to notice that when you have your flashlight out again i'm not a big fan of having like you know showing your light in the graveyard and showing your location but if it's another means of being able to quickly shine it out there and get a reflection back as you're running up and down areas um, again, you can strategically position it so that as you're running down rows, if you have your flashlight out there, it might reflect it back to you and you'll be able to notice that that location is there. Okay. All right. So those are some tips for Ryan for urban survival caching. I hope you got a lot out of that. And this is something that really it's another level up for, for preppers out there, but it is something that does have a lot of benefit to it, especially if you know the right way to do it. Okay. Hopefully this has given you the reasons why, but also it's giving you some really good tips be able to understand what to put in there and how to do it as well. All right. Especially in these times of, of such unease and social unrest that's out there. You never know when something like this might actually be needed. So I recommend you go ahead and put one of these together. They're not expensive. You can put one together and it's a lot of fun to be able to practice your urban survival skills in this type of a scenario. Okay. All right. Well, that's all I've, all I've got. I want to know again from your tips, what have you put together as urban survival caches or what other tips do you have in putting together this type of a cache? How do you do it? What do you put in it? And how would you go about hiding it out there? Okay. I'd love to get your tips. Please go ahead and give them on our blog where you find this podcast. And until our next Modern Combat and Survival broadcast, or hopefully the next Warrior Life podcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying prepare, train, and survive. Modern Combat and Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.